Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Have you heard about vaping or have you seen someone do it? It looks like they're smoking a cigarette, some vapors puffing around, doesn't smell like a cigarette, and yet it can be just as dangerous. Well, today we're going to be talking with two guests here in the studio. Josh Ching, he is a member of the Youth Council for the Coalition for a Tobacco-Free Hawaii, and he is an upcoming sophomore at Yale studying global affairs who's been involved in trying to help make Hawaii a tobacco-free state for a long time. And we also have Matt Weyer. He is council member of District 2, which incorporates Kahalu. Wahiwa and a lot of places all, all in, in North between. Shore, all of the North okay, so certainly places where people are vaping. And today we're going to talk about what has been done in the legislature, what needs to be done to help keep our people here in the islands medically protected from some of the dangers of vaping. Josh, let's start with you. We've we've talked about vaping before. It's it seems like it's it's. Is it cool? Is it something kids do these days? I'm not necessarily in the cool crowd. And it seems like over the last couple of years, it's it's taken off quite a bit. So this is something that's been on your radar since you mm-hmm. were in high school here. What's up with vaping? Well, vaping has been an issue for a long time. Well, tobacco use has been an issue for a long time, specifically here in Hawaii. There's a long history of the tobacco industry's presence from you know, back in the plantation era when Native Hawaiians were exploited as tobacco labor to the advertisements using Native Hawaiian culture in order to sell it on the mainland. And now we have these new vaping products, well, relatively new, that exploit our local culture. And so it's specifically targeting a lot of kids, a lot of local people here in Hawaii, which is why we have one of the highest rates of middle and high school vaping across the nation. Um, some statistics, 21,000 youth alive today will inevitably die of a tobacco-related illness if no policy action is taken. Um, So this is an issue that has been impacting our communities for several years and will continue to do so if there isn't any kind of substantial policy action taken soon. Now, you mentioned that 21,000 of our youth will die of tobacco-related illnesses. Is vaping something that's a gateway to cigarettes? Yes. And I think what people tend to not really realize is that vaping doesn't contain nicotine, does contain nicotine, does contain tobacco. Um, It's something that, you know, has been propped up by the industry as a way to wean off of um, these products, tobacco products. But, you know, in reality, it does create the same kind of, you know, temporary sensation and creates that dependence, that addiction um, that tobacco is all too well known for. And you said they're sort of targeting the youth. How are they targeting them? It's through these flavors. So specifically here in Hawaii, um, we have flavors like Lilikoi Lychee, um, Aloha Sun Juice, um, discontinued now, but Molokai Hot Bread has been lining our store shelves for years um, and has been specifically targeting local youth through these flavors. Um, I think the statistic is around 78% of youth who use e-cigarettes are using a flavored product, and a majority of them started because of the flavors that were really enticing. Um, And so these flavors have been used as a vehicle from the tobacco industry in order to hook a new generation of smokers. All right, Matt, you're council member of a large swath of Oahu. Do you see a lot of people in your district vaping quite a bit? 
I do. And I think I see that when I travel to other parts of Oahu as well. Um, and, you know, we, we see the or hear the stats that Josh has shared, and it is really alarming, particularly amongst our youth. Um, you know, studies show that I think nearly one in three, about 30% of high school students, a little less than 20%, so one in five middle school students regularly use these vape products. And so while years we've seen the trend of smoking going down, we're suddenly seeing this epidemic, particularly amongst our youth. Well, and I think in certain countries, I know in the UK, it actually required a prescription when it first came out. And their intent in using vaping was to try and really help to reduce people who were smoking combustible cigarettes. So their idea was to enlist the help of the medical community to try and reduce the the actual smoking of cigarettes. And the way to do that was to address some of the nicotine. But that was in another country. And then here it comes in the United States and it becomes something you can get without a prescription. It becomes a recreational product. And we were sort of, I don't even want to say sold on it, but kind of happened in the sense that we were told, hey, this is safer. There's not, there's not as many chemicals in vape and it doesn't smell as much, and it's not going to stink up your clothes. You're not going to be able to inhale someone else's, their vaping, whatever it is, their vapor, I guess, and you're not going to be affected. But that's not really the case. That's not what we're seeing, is it? Yeah, no. Uh, the reality is that a lot of these kids who are being targeted because of you know these flavors and this, this idea that it's healthier to use vapes um, is really preying on children and, and youth at a time of like vast mental health crises as well. Um, there's a lot of mental health issues that the tobacco industry has been able to capitalize on because vaping creates that quick euphoria, that temporary euphoria that can, you know, give that bliss and take away those feelings of anxiety or or even things like body dysmorphia um, from kids and and take that weight off of their shoulders, but still leave that as an underlying issue while making a dependence on these products through addiction. And so it's, it really is a, is a public health crisis here in Hawaii and, and honestly across the world, um, wherever the tobacco industry is. Now, vaping itself is a process by which you, you purchase what? It's like a cartridge or something? Yeah. or And so you put this in a device that requires electricity? I'm not too sure on like the technicalities of how the product itself works. Um, I do know that a lot of them are really just sold with like the actual device and then you can buy the different juices. Um, oftentimes they already just have it included. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a variety of different types of e-cigarettes that can be bought and are still sold on the market today. And how old do you have to be to purchase electronic cigarettes. Is there an age where you're not allowed to purchase them? Because you mentioned, uh, you know, Matt, you mentioned that one-fifth of all middle school kids, one-third of all high school students, and I'm thinking they're all below mm -hmm. whatever age you're about to tell me. Yeah, I mean, the legal age is 21, but, you know, there's a lot of ways to get it. We tried to really tackle that with um, our bill this past session, SB 975, um, which attempted to close loopholes online. I mean, there's still products being sold online just because enforcement mechanisms are a little shaky right now. Um, so, yeah, there's a number of different venues, you know, for kids to get these products. You know, it's it's not, you know, one law isn't going to be the end-all be-all solution to preventing acquisition of these products. So that's what we're really trying to focus on this coming session. Matt Wire, if I were to go drive around your district and go into a store and I'm over 21, 
I could purchase vaping devices and vaping cartridges. Should they be checking an ID if I looked younger, which <laughs> I do not, but if I did, should they be checking an ID? Is that part of the process? Yeah, that that's definitely a part of the current process under the law. You know, for um, folks having to be 21, they need to show that ID for proof of, of purchase. Uh, but like Josh mentioned, we're seeing these vaping products, these vaping devices getting into the hands of our youth. And I think that's really the problem we're trying to address. Okay, because sometimes it could be online. You know, it could be your older brother or something along. I mean, I just think, how do young kids get alcohol? Well, I mean, they shouldn't do that either. And somehow it happens. And so we can kind of track some of the ways in which they're that's acquired. And it's probably similar. Yeah, it could be online, could be through friends, uh, siblings, other family members. There are a whole lot of ways to get it. But I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, ultimately, when we look at the flavors, right, it's clear that they're intended to target youth. And, you know, in 2009, we took flavors out of cigarettes uh, with the uh, Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act. And so really, I think this is just our right now, we just have a need to update the law so it reflects and applies the same way to vaping devices. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about the ways in which vaping could potentially cause harm and why we need to change some of the efforts on how people can acquire these devices to help keep ours, our kids, our adults, and to keep everybody safe. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Ulupono Initiative. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I have Council Member Matt Wire from District Number 2 here in the studio, along with Josh Ching. He is an upcoming sophomore at Yale studying global affairs and hails from right here on the islands. And so we're talking about vaping and why this is not the answer to reducing the use of nicotine that everybody might have thought it was and what are some of the harms. Now, you know, Josh, I remember the last time we spoke, there was a whole thing going on about vaping and the danger and damage to lungs. And we were seeing that there were some kids who were developing serious lung conditions related to some of the chemicals that were involved in vaping. Is that something that we're still seeing? Is that one way to try and help target to tell the youth not to do it? That's definitely a concern. I mean, these products contain chemicals like nicotine and formaldehyde, um, and there's a number of different others um, that help to fuel that process of addiction. Um, and so for me, this really has been something um, that is like a public health issue in itself because these products are dangerous, but also is preying on existing underlying like mental health issues that youth might be having, you know, these days, like especially off the heels of the pandemic. Um, and I think that using those ideas as a deterrent isn't always the solution. I mean, it's, it's like realistically, kids aren't going to just stop because you say it's bad for them. Um, and I think it really does have to go from the top-down level and really looking at, okay, what is the root cause of this issue? What are the industries that are exploiting youth, and how can we stop that from happening? So, Matt, when you think about some of the, the needs on how to control it, it sort of makes me think about, you know, why is alcohol something you have to be a certain age to be able to purchase? Why do we have seatbelt laws? Why do we have other laws that are meant to help with the general public good? 
And there are reasons why those laws are created, because although it's it's great to think that everyone wears their seatbelt all the time and <laughs> never drives when they've had alcohol or they never they never speed when they're driving. The reality is that sometimes these things happen. So having that general guidance for the for the overall good is something that I think we as a nation have embraced. What do you think are some of the ways that legislatively we could we could alter the current accessibility of some of these devices or flavors? Definitely. And I know Josh and other youth have been active at the legislature for years uh, trying to ban and get rid of these flavors, right, in our vaping devices. Um, you know, Council Chair Waters and myself did introduce Bill 46 at the city council, um, which in part would... Uh, you know, ban the sale, display, marketing, and advertising of flavored tobacco products. I do think that that's a start, right, from a legislative perspective. A lot of, you know, the other work that Josh does is also engaging the community in education, but from a, a lawmaking perspective, I think that's a good place to start. Though Bill 46 is written, if it passes at council, um, would depend also on a law change at the, the state, which would remove the pre pre preemption that exists that prevents counties from Regulating, re regulating tobacco products. And it's similar to what happened with the tobacco industry because you mentioned 2009, they took flavors out of cigarettes. And I remember there used to be, you know, cigarette ads that were available, either billboards on the mainland or in magazines and or you would see people smoking mm -hmm. in movies. And they don't do that anymore. There's exactly. there's a ban on any type of advertising for cigarettes. There's a ban on billboards and those other sorts of things and the ban on flavors. So you won't see menthol or anything like that. And when you go into a store, cigarettes are kept behind the counter. You don't see a lot of ads for it. So you have to actually ask if you want some type of product like that. And they, like you said, they should check an ID. So there are some mechanisms that it sounds like we're trying to employ for the vaping devices that are very similar to what has already been done for cigarettes. So we've set the precedent that we know it's dangerous and we're going to control it. Mm -hmm. What we might need to do, like, like you mentioned, is kind of mirror what we've done for combustible cigarettes for these vaping devices. Exactly. No, that's spot on. And, you know, when I'm sure we all know folks that vape. And when, when I talk to many of them, a lot of them recognize and acknowledge that they actually vape more. They smoke more since they transitioned over to a vaping device. And so I think, you know, you talk about the policy perspective and regulations. I think as a whole, you know, it is beneficial, I think, to our entire community. But I think with youth at the forefront, I think they're really the priority in introducing this bill and recognizing just what our youth are facing and the need to do something, right? Well, you brought up a really good point, which is if it's if vaping is something that people have the erroneous idea is safer, mm -hmm. they may vape more, get even more addicted to the nicotine, the tobacco and the other ingredients than they would have if it were mm -hmm. cigarettes because or combustible cigarettes. I want to distinguish the two because it's flavorful. It's it's something that they don't smell or they don't have or. They don't have that same sense of being a smoker and mm -hmm. with a combustible cigarette. So you, you mentioned it, it might make them vape even more. And I guess that gets back to how people get started vaping. And I know, Josh, that you've you've looked a lot at this because this is your cohort. This is your age group. As you've grown up, that's when vaping devices came out. When you speak to friends or people you know who vape, what gets them started? Well, there's a number of factors. I mean, peer pressure is a big one. 
oftentimes it can be intergenerational too. So if their families are smokers, you know, it's it's very easy for that to be passed down. I mean, that's something that's been happening in my family too. Um, and so I, I know what it's like firsthand. And another one of the big ones is flavors, is, is that enticing flavor that, you know, might taste like your favorite food or your favorite, like Aloha Me juice um, from the and store. And it's calorie free. You're exactly. thinking, hey, this is like, you know, <laughs> I'm drinking something that, or eating something that has no calories. It's it smells and tastes great, but in fact, it's you know yeah. long term not not really the best. Yeah, exactly. So these flavors have been something that we've been really pushing for um, over the past few years. Um, in my time, five years, um, really pushing for this at the ledge. So you know, I'm I'm really grateful and excited that the Honolulu City Council is taking this up, um, and hopefully, we can get this bill through. Now, you mentioned that it runs in families and you may have some people that you know or friends or family that are vaping. Do you have you ever asked them if there weren't flavors, would they still vape? A lot of the times when I have asked them or talked to them about these things, like most of the time it's it's my friends. Um, It is like a really big factor of why they are continuing to do it. Um, but also it's not the only one. I mean, even if it's like the introductory factor, it's, you know, that underlying process of addiction um, that keeps them continuing to do it. And so really what the flavor ban works to do is take away that first level of enticement um, so that they don't get addicted, you know, in the first place. So really preventing that from even starting. Yeah. And then if you don't have that addiction to the nicotine or the tobacco elements, plus all the other chemicals that are in mm-hmm. vaping or even in combustible cigarettes, then you won't even get started down that process. Yeah, exactly. Do you know how many kids who start with vaping turn to cigarettes? There, I'm not too sure of the statistic off the top of my head. I know that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who say that because, you know, e-cigarettes are, you know, getting people off of uh, combustible conventional cigarettes, um, that it's better, like realistically, more people are getting addicted to these e-cigarettes than people who are getting off of those conventional cigarettes. And so Mm -hmm. this is an issue of hooking a new generation um, where we're creating more smokers, whether or not they're using conventional cigarettes, because, you know, realistically, these e-cigarettes can be just as, if not more deadly, Mm. because it's, you know, really easy to go through an entire stick um, that is equivalent to smoking an an entire pack of cigarettes in like a couple of days. Um, So, And we haven't even yet seen the long-term effects medically on the lungs and on some of the other physical parameters because they haven't been around long enough. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion on ways that we can help protect our youth and all of us as we get older from the dangers known and unknown of vaping. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Honolulu Waldorf School. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I'm here with Josh Ching. He is an upcoming sophomore at Yale studying global affairs who's very involved with the Youth Council for the Coalition of a Tobacco-Free Hawaii and has been for years. And we also have Matt Wire. He is council member of District Number 2 that is up towards the whole North Shore area. And we're talking today about vaping. What are the dangers of this, and what can we do to try and reduce the number of youth that are attracted to this activity? which can lead to further problems, addiction, etc., and then the unknown, which is my area, which is what's going to happen in 20 or 30 years when when these youth turn into adults, what are the damages that we're going to see? And it kind of harkens back to, I remember years ago when they started to ban the use of combustible cigarettes, mm-hmm. and they were looking at trying to attach the use of cigarettes and cigarette smoking with different medical conditions like emphysema, lung cancer, et cetera. And there's a big outpouring of, of denial from some of the major companies that said, no, our products are not problematic. And look, these are people who use them and they were fine. And when you looked at some of the ads, and I was kind of embarrassed, you would look at the ads from way back in, I mean, before I was born, and they would show things like doctors advocating for smoking. And I was like, Wow. Okay. So we really had to come a long way. And there were quite a few decades of, of people who were passionately arguing from the medical profession that we know that this particular activity, in this case, it was combustible cigarettes, is associated with harm. And we think the harm is causing lung changes, emphysema, and lung cancer. And now it's almost ubiquitous knowledge. Now we know that those things are associated and we Nobody who picks up a traditional cigarette these days could ever get away with saying, I never knew it was bad for me. Everyone knows this is not good, whether it's from the common knowledge, whether it's from pictures in the media. Certain countries put pictures of tumors on their cigarette packages. Everybody knows that. But I don't think there's as much recognition about the potential dangers of vaping. And it makes me wonder if we're going to see that this comes to fruition in another 20, 30 years, and we start to see adults who are developing serious medical problems because they thought vaping was safe. Mm-hmm. How would somebody who's listening or wanting to also protect the youth, what could they do? How would they be able to help support some of the efforts that are going on with the legislature? Josh, what are you doing with the with a coalition for a tobacco-free Hawaii, what sorts of things do you are you taking part in? And you testified recently, is that right? Yeah. So right now we're really going hard on Bill 46 uh, to get flavored tobacco products banned at the county level, um, and we're going to continue pushing that um, at the state because you know with with the whole issue of um, the county's not having the jurisdiction to technically regulate because of a 2018 gut and replace bill. Um, we're really trying to, you know, fight this on two fronts and yeah, really just continue to advocate for that. So if people want to get involved testifying um, for Bill 46 and support is really going to go a long way of, of trying to help us to really combat the youth vaping epidemic in a substantial way here in Honolulu. Now, has this bill come up to... The city council previously, Matt? Uh, it did, Dr. Kozak, uh, passed first reading, and then it'll be on our Housing Sustainability and Health Committee agenda on August 23rd, 2.30 p.m. So folks can testify online or in person at Honolulu Hale, and that's an opportunity for the public to weigh in. Uh, as mentioned, it'll have to, 
you know, go through a few readings before it passes out. And then we'll also need some law change at the state. But given, you know, like you brought up, you know, there is uncertainty. I think there are medical experts weighing in on the dangers. But just the fact that youth are four times more likely to try combustible cigarettes and three times more likely to become a combustible cigarette smoker after using electronic cigarettes, I think that in itself shows the danger that our youth are facing. Ah, so that's that's the key is because it can be the gateway whether or not they continue to vape. They could also continue to pick up a different form of nicotine in a combustible cigarette or even just continue with the vaping. Exactly. And really it's looking at the flavors, which are what attract people to start to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now, Josh, do you have any friends who have quit vaping after they've kind of associated with you or have you do you know what could help them? to stop it? Have you found any success in your own friend and family circle? Um, I do have um, a few friends that did end up, you know, quitting vaping. I don't know if it was because of me or not. Well, um, you can take some <laughs> credit on that, Josh. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it did take a lot of strength and effort on their parts. And it really is about the individual and like wanting to commit to, you know, stopping the cycle of addiction and getting off of these products, which is not an easy thing. So, you know, for me, really, it is about like approaching members, family members or, or friends with compassion and, and coming from a place of understanding that, you know, oftentimes it isn't their fault if they're addicted to these products. And addiction is never anybody's fault. And that this is something that, you know, they're going to need support um, with in order to overcome. And so I think that's where I really like kind of see this as as approaching addiction with aloha and and trying to do what you can to help where you are. You've just described motivational interviewing in medical (laughs) school and how you match somebody where they're at and try and understand what's going on and help them to decide why they want to Mm -hmm. change what they're doing and how it could impact their health, their loved ones, and everyone around. Now, you've been involved with the Youth Council for several years now. You mentioned at least five? Yep, five years. And yet you're in Connecticut, you're at Yale, and yet you're still keeping keeping things going here locally. Yeah, it, it's a little difficult with the six-hour time difference, but, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to continue this fight that I've been in for a long time and hoping to get, you know, a, a new generation of advocates, you know, involved. Um, there are a lot of freshmen that, you know, are, are up and coming and are really excited about this. So I'm hoping to also kind of pass a torch on to those kids and, and have them champion these, these issues as well, because this is something that is going to continue to affect future generations and, and kids that are obviously younger than me. Um, and that I hope, you know, we'll see that this is an issue um, of an industry coming into our home and, and taking control over our people, over our culture, over our government. And it's something that, you know, fundamentally needs to change um, just for a better Hawaii. What's next? After we, let's just presume we ban the flavors and maybe you become a city councilman, maybe more, <laughs> who knows? Is there something else we need to do to help regulate e-cigarettes that will be even beyond the flavor ban, the age ban? Is there anything else that we need to do and accomplish after that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done because, you know, the the issue of vaping and and, and use of these nicotine products is a systemic one. It's one that goes really deep into conversations on mental health and access to those resources on culturally comprehensive forms of treatment and and um, 
yeah, like there, there's just a number of different issues that I think need to be tackled. Um, that's going to take a long time, access to health care, access to mental health care, um, investing in our public school system, paying our teachers well enough and, and, and other staff that are going to be trained in de-escalation and, and you know, trying to um, manage these issues with students. And so this is a long fight, I think, and it really is about creating the conditions for a better Hawaii where vaping is an afterthought to begin with. And so really focusing on building up community health as a whole, um, I think, is going to be the strongest way to really combat the use of these products and, and the youth vaping epidemic overall. Well, that sounds like it's something you are committed to for the remainder of your lifetime and certainly some things that we can do to help in our local community. So I do want to thank both of you. I want to thank Council Member Mike Weyer from District Number 2 for sharing his expertise and what he's dealing with in his district and his desire to help the people who, who don't want to have negative health consequences and his support for Bill 46 and also for Joshua Ching. He is on our Youth Council Coalition for a Tobacco-Free Hawaii, currently a sophomore at Yale, but soon to come back and run the state. Is that right, Josh? Is that part of what we have on the agenda? We'll Maybe. <laughs> you know, you got some great ideas there, some things we need to tackle and overcome. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. See you next week. Mm-hmm.